You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. Very good to have quality North American focused natural resources funds on the register now. So a great success and raising the shares at a premium means that we, for the same amount of capital, we issue less shares. So therefore less dilutionary for existing shareholders. So win-win all around. There's $5 million of further money coming into the company from those options and they're being exercised every single week. That cash is coming in, plus the 16 million that we raised from, from uh, the, the capital raising today. So that would give us uh, a total of about $25 million plus. A very healthy, very healthy position. It funds our exploration program for 2021 and into 20 and well into 2022 as well. Thank you for tuning in to Mining Stock Education. I'm your host, Bill Powers. And in today's episode, we're going to be getting an update from Ian Murray. He is the executive chairman of Matador Mining, a company we featured about five or six weeks ago. And Ian, in that episode, laid out the investment value proposition of the company. So if you're not familiar with the company, I'm going to put a link above my head on YouTube or in the show notes if you're listening in audio form only. And he laid out the prospectivity, the 120 strike kilometers, uh, most of which 90% is untested. And uh, you're gonna like the update now if if you bought shares after that interview because they cashed up the treasury and they're doubling the work program to test this thesis. So Ian, welcome back onto the program. Thank you for coming on for the update. Uh, since you did this raise, which you just announced, perhaps we could start there. How much did you raise? Who did you bring into the stock? And why is it significant for Matador shareholders? Thank you, Bill. Yeah, we raised in Australian dollars, $16 million. We did it through what's known as a Canadian charity flow through structure, which allows us to raise capital at a premium to the market. So this raising was done at a 28% premium to the market close. Um, the end investors of these shares are institutions, uh, primarily out of North America. The North Americans took 75% of the book, and the remainder was taken up by uh, existing shareholders in Australia. So very good support uh, from existing shareholders. Very good to have quality North American-focused natural resources funds on the register now. So a great success. And Raising the shares at a premium means that we, for the same amount of capital, we issue less shares, so therefore less dilutionary for existing shareholders. So win-win all around. So because you didn't issue a warrant, you're not bringing in short-term shareholders also, right? You're bringing in people that believe in the story and are willing to stick around. Yes, absolutely. Um, We made sure that when we allocated the book, the, the shares were allocated to the people that we know have a track record of supporting um, exploration companies and and supporting exploration strategies for a long period of time. Because exploration isn't a three-month process. Exploration is a year, two years, three years to deliver the full upside for what you have in your tenements. The Cape Ray Gold Project is in Newfoundland in Canada, although you're an Australian company that also trades in the States. A lot of your Canadian peers don't tell um, investors in the press release the dilution percent. So I thought that was unique in that you actually told the dilution percent, which was about 15 percent. Is that standard for Australian companies to just explicitly state the dilution? Yeah, it's a a Corporations Act requirement. So they're 
There's two thresholds uh, in which you can issue shares. The first one has a 15% cap. And if you exceed that one, you then go into the second one, which is a further 10% ability. Um, and you have to just, in your announcement, make it clear how much you're utilizing of each of those authorities. So we used just over 15%. So we used 100% of the first 15% cap and a very small portion of the second authority that we've got. Okay, so what does that bring the treasury up to? And then talk about how you're doubling the work program, essentially. Yeah, Bill, so at the end of the March quarter, we had around 8 million Australian dollars in treasury. Um, we've also got some uh, uh, options or warrants, as, as you call them in the US, um, that are well in the money. They expire in July 2022, so just on 12 months to go. With a 23 cent strike price, the share price today in Australian dollars is 46 to 48 cents. So the strike price of those options is half of what the current share price is. There's $5 million of further money coming into the company from those options, and they're being exercised every single week. That cash is coming in, plus the 16 million that we raised from, from uh, the, the capital raising today. So that would give us uh, a total of about $25 million plus. A very healthy, very healthy position. It funds our exploration program for 2021 and into 20 and well into 2022 as well. So your current program has you have the Helimag that that you're running. You're doing the auger drilling and you're doing diamond drilling. So talk to us about how much you've increased that as a result of the cash you just brought in the treasury. Yeah, Bill, it's important to talk about all three because a lot of exploration companies only talk about diamond drilling. And we know that a lot of the North American explorers only do diamond drilling. So as we spoke about last time, we've got this structured approach to identifying targets and then testing them, starting with the geophysics through the HeliMag program, then testing those physical targets, geophysical targets uh, with geochemistry through the auger drilling, and then confirming that gold's in the ground at small uh percentages, we then follow up with diamond drilling to then confirm the gold discovery. So the HeliMag program, we're now doubling. We had scheduled to do the HeliMag in two phases. The first phase is now complete. We'll have the interpretation from that in August. Um, and then we've got a second phase, which covers the northern part of our tenements. And that program will kick off later this year or early next year. And obviously that's funded through the raising we've done. On the auger drilling, we have been running with three auger drill rigs. We now ordered a second two, so we'll have a total of five auger rigs. And those auger rigs will go up and follow up and do the first pass testing where the HeliMag program has identified magnetic anomalies that should be conducive for hosting gold systems. So doubling that program to five rigs, two of them are, are the power augers on the back of uh, ATV vehicles or, or, or mini trucks that can get to the remote areas and drill 10 to 50 meters down. The other three are the handheld ones that the guys carry in backpacks and they can drill between two and four meters uh, uh, depth. And then obviously the diamond drilling, which is where you, where, where you confirm your discovery, we're going from 20,000 meters that we had planned to 45,000 meters of drilling, including the first winter program that will kick off over the Canadian winter later this year. So increasing all three aspects of, of what, what we're doing on the ground. So the 45,000 uh, meters, that will take us into winter then? 
Oh, no, that's through winter and into the summer program next year. So the 45,000 meters takes us 2021 into winter of 21-22 and into the start of the 2022 summer season. So you've lined up about a year of news flow with this capital raise. Would that be accurate to say? I'd say it's more, more than a year because this is the start of the season and this 45,000 meters will take us well into next season as well. So we've probably got 15 to 18 months of news flow lined up from this capital raise. So you're looking for a discovery, but you already have a mineral resource with a, a scoping study or a PEA. Are you going to make any progress on the PFS, the, the pre-feasibility study in the meantime? Yeah, so uh, we're continuing doing all of the study work in parallel with exploration activities so that when we get to the point that the uh, mineral resource size is of the right size to press the button on the PFS, pre-feasibility study, all of that um, metal, further metallurgical test work, geotechnical drilling, uh, uh, water balance monitoring, uh, sediment uh, modeling, uh, tailings dam modeling, all of that work has continued in the back, uh, together with the environmental work as well. So all of that work is carrying on in the background in parallel with exploration. So as soon as we've got the big enough resource for the PFS, we can do the mining study work just to finish that uh, the PFS work. And since we last spoke, you actually released some information about the PFS work or moving towards there with some met metallurgical recoveries. Uh, you want to speak to that and give us an update on that? Yes. Yeah, so, so in the PEA or scoping study, we, we did show that the um, um, metallurgical recoveries were in the mid 90%. We've obviously done further test work preparing for the PFS. And we, this has confirmed that we're getting the mid 90% recoveries. Then if you combine the uh, gravity separation plus your CRL, your uh, chemical recovery, you, you combine those two and we're getting very 95 to 98% recoveries. The residence time or the time in solution is, is, is modest. It's not excessive. Uh, the grind size that we need to grind to is again, is modest. It's, it's not very fine grind, which takes a lot of power. It's, it's normal grind size for uh, releasing the gold uh, into the solution. Um, so everything from that metallurgical test work uh, update shows that we are on track. It's uh, better than where, where we had in the scoping study uh, and on track for uh, the PFS. You also increased your land holdings uh, along the 120 kilometer strike. So talk to us about the process you went through to determine what land you should pick up. Yeah, there are two separate pieces of land and two separate processes. So the first one is on the back of the heli mag, we were getting the initial um, information from the geophysical survey, from the magnetics, and we could see that there were structures just on the boundary of our current tenements so we picked up additional tenement around uh, our tenement to make sure that we captured these new structures that we were seeing indications on from the mag surveys. But the most exciting ground that we've picked up is totally uh, different to our Cape Ray Shear. It's further to the east, a place called Hermitage. And through the auger drilling that we did, that we're doing this year, together with the, the test work we did last year, where we identified the pathfinder elements for gold on the Cape Ray Shear. This identified nine pathfinder elements associated with gold on our system. Um, in this hermitage area, previous work was done by 
uh, some of the major base metal companies in the world where they were looking for big base metal systems. So in their, in their soil test work that they did, they identified a whole number of pathfinder elements which weren't good for finding base metal systems. So they left it and they walked away. These pathfinder elements on this hermitage area tie in exactly to the pathfinder elements we know are associated with gold on the Cape Ray Shear. So we've now got this huge, fantastic target with very good uh, pathfinder elements already identified that we could pick up and we aim to start drill testing in 2022. Uh, the Cape Ray Shear goes north up through our tenement and then up to Marathon Gold's uh, gold project. But there's another splay that breaks off at the southern portion and carries on east through Hermitage and then uh, bends north and goes up through uh, Newfound Gold's tenement. So this is all on, on a shear zone. Um, it's not, it wasn't held when we pegged it, and we pegged it. And I'm very excited about the potential, speaking to the geologists, about the potential of this area that has pretty much never been explored for, for gold. And I'm sure one of those geologists you're speaking to is Kerry Sparks. You put out a press release that he has joined your company. Talk to us about the significance of this. Yes, so Kerry worked on this project in the early 2000s. He's one of the uh, most uh, highly respected geologists in Canada and he's a native of Newfoundland. He lives in, in St. John's now. Um, we were put in touch with Kerry. I spoke to Kerry. Uh, Warren Potman, my exploration manager, had spoken to him when he first got to the island. Kerry's got a huge amount of knowledge in his head. Most recently, he's worked for Franco Nevada, the big royalty company, looking at projects for them around the globe. Uh, one of my non-executive directors, Nikki Adshet-Bell, she also reached out and had a chat with Kerry. And we, as a company, we decided if Kerry uh, is on the island and he has worked on our, in our region before and on our tenements before, he would be one of the best sounding boards for us um, from an exploration perspective as well as from a, a markets perspective. The, the few institutions in North America all know Kerry. Um, we're in Australia. Kerry's in, on Newfoundland, so he's closer to the project. Um, so I reached out to him, spoke to him. He is more than happy to join us as a consultant, to be an advisor to our board, and uh, we'll continue to work closely with Kerry. And obviously, we've got the money now to expand the exploration, and I'm sure he'll be very encouraged by that as well. Ian, as we conclude, just remind our listeners and investors what they should expect in the next 30 days from Matador. Well, in the next 30 days, we'll have the first of the diamond drill assay results will start coming through. So we started drilling six weeks ago when we had the first interview. Those assays have been prepared. Uh, they've gone to the assay lab. They'll start flowing in from next week. We've also got the assays coming in from the massive auger program that we've already kicked off on. Those assays will, will be coming in. It'll give us an indication of new target areas that we haven't tested before. And in the next 30 days, we should also have uh, the HeliMag program uh, interpretation coming through as well. So results from diamond drilling, auger drilling, and HeliMag, and uh, continued activity on the ground uh, at the Cape Ray Shear. 
Excellent. The company again is Matador Mining. Website is matadormining.com.au. Don't forget the .au. Ticker is MZZ in Australia. In the States on the OTCQB, you can find it under MZZMF. Ian, thanks for coming on the show and providing this update. Always a pleasure, Bill. Thank you very much for the platform. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts it might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks concomitant with that if you don't do the work or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too i just started to study up on mining stocks and i just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really you could do really really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly the mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident. And just do your work as best you can. Do your very best. But don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents. But it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on MiningStockEducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.